Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to today's event. My name is Daniel Fishman. I'm a business and employment litigator at Con Kavanaugh. I'm also a co-chair of the BBA's new Lawyers Forum Career Development Committee, the committee that's sponsoring today's event on, bu on building business relationships in a time of social distancing. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Glad we're able to make today's event happen. Uh, I'll introduce Steve in a moment, uh, but I'd like to invite anyone interested in getting more involved in the BBA or the new Lawyers Forum to email me. Uh, at dfishman at concavanaugh.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Our speaker today is Steve Steckler, a seasoned legal recruiter and marketing coach with more than 20 years of experience working with hundreds of partners, associates, associates and in-house counsel. He advises attorneys on how to achieve their career goals and taking action to, to achieve those, including marketing and business development. And as you all know, relationships are the foundation of all business development, but figuring, figuring out how to take the right steps and how to actually take them can be difficult, especially now. Uh, so Steve is here to make it easier on us. Uh, so without further ado, here is Steve. Thank you, Daniel. And thanks to the New Associates Forum for inviting me here today. I wanna to thank the Boston Bar Association more generally. It's not easy to run a professional association in a climate like this. And the BBA is doing a great job of keeping us connected. These are challenging times for for all of us and I, I hope all of you are finding ways to make the best of what's truly a difficult situation. I also want to compliment any of the younger attorneys or law, any law students who might be joining us. Relationship building is kind of like investing. The earlier you start, the greater the returns. So thinking about this now will pay big dividends in the future as Dan Fishman already said. It's ironic that I'm doing a webinar on business relationship building. Relationship building is something that really works best in person. We get to know people through the informal conversations we have at work, at school, through volunteer work, and in social settings. Through these interactions, we get to know, like, and trust other people. And this is a lot harder to do when we can't be in the same room. Unfortunately, in-person encounters are somewhat off the table for now. But the good news is that there's still a lot we can do, even in this time of social distancing. We still have effective ways to build our existing relationships and even begin new ones. Our increased familiarity with virtual tools and comfort in using them is helping to bridge the gap. Our collective struggle with the stress brought on by the pandemic means that people are more open than ever to connecting on a personal level. People are looking for connection. So speaking of connection, before I begin, I just want to say that I would be very happy to talk with any of you after the session is over. Just email me at legal at com, and we'll find a time to speak by phone or set up a Zoom session. I, I really truly enjoy having the chance to help lawyers with their careers or with their marketing, even just informally. And honestly, that's much more rewarding to me than just giving a presentation. In fact, that's really the main point I want to make today. Even in these times of social distancing, find ways to have real conversations with the people in your personal and professional networks. Okay, now I have to do a screen share, which I think I can do. And find my slides and share and start from the beginning. Okay, are we on Daniel Tillman? Yes, you are. Okay, I'd like to quickly go through the agenda for today. First, we're gonna just talk very quickly about why build business relationships. Then 
we're going to quickly address what relationships should you be building. I'd like to sort of get out of the way. What are some of the barriers that you face? We'll talk about practical tips for building your network in a general sense. And then finally, I'd like to talk about relationship building in a time of social distancing, which is one of the things that we're all here about to, to hear about today. So before we dive in, I'd like to see who's in the audience. And since I can't see you and you can't raise your hands, we're going to do a quick poll on your screen. So Daniel Tillman, if you could put the poll up and people could quickly respond, I would appreciate it. It should be up for everybody right now if you navigate to the bottom of your screen. And I assume, Daniel Tillman, that the, res the results will just pop up in just a minute, or should I keep talking? Uh, yes, the poll will be live until I, the host, end it. Um, so I believe we are uh, just waiting on five people to participate, but you can, I believe, continue with the results. Okay. All right, well, I want to start off with a few quick stories. And I'm going to give you three anecdotes that kind of illustrate what we're talking about here today. Until the quarantine, I was spending a lot of time in coffee shops. A few months ago, I walked into a local Starbucks and sat down to do some writing. I began logging onto my laptop, and when I looked up, I noticed someone I recognized sitting in the corner. He was the father of one of my son's friends from college. They had played Ultimate Frisbee together, and in fact, they had actually played together in high school. I had spoken to him a few times on the sidelines and ran into him a few times at my local gym. I thought for a moment about whether I should bother him on a Sunday morning, but I like him and I decided to go for it. So I walked over and asked how his son was doing. He told me his son was interviewing for a position with an executive search firm and he asked me a few questions about my son and then I offered to help his son with his interviewing since I'm in the recruiting business I thought I might be able to offer some help and he liked that and he took down my email address and then we chit-chatted a little bit about our daughters who we'd both forgotten are in college together and then I asked him how things were going at his new company he's the CEO of a life sciences company and he recently left a very successful commercial stage company he's now at a startup Within a few minutes, he told me that they are thinking about hiring a general counsel. He gave me his email address and told me to make an appointment to meet him in Cambridge to discuss um, the GC search. So basically two weeks later and eight years after we had first met, I began working on a search for a new GC. My second story is about a friend of mine whose legal career has spanned many industries. Right out of law school, he worked for a major law firm. He became a partner, and after 12 years, he decided to go in-house. His first stop was at a publishing company. He then moved into a role at a financial services company. After that, it was a dot-com, and then he went to work for a major retailer. And finally, he became the corporation counsel for a major biotech company. What is noteworthy is that he came to the biotech company with almost no experience in the industry. 
He's a very smart guy and a great lawyer, but he was an outsider. So how did he make the transition? The short version of the story is that over a period of a decade, he had built a relationship with the GC. They actually met long before she even went in-house and had kept in touch as each of them had changed jobs. In fact, when she was still in private practice and he was in-house, he had met with her to talk about what it's like to be in-house and how to approach that. So when she was looking for a corporate counsel at the biotech, she reached out to my friend, despite his lack of industry experience. She knew him, liked him, and trusted him. And you can hear more of the story if you go to my podcast, Counsel to Counsel, which you could find links to on my website. And then my final story, I, in my most recent podcast interview, I spoke with a member of the senior management team at a major international firm. She had spent many years at the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York prosecuting high-profile crimes. When it was time to go back to private practice, she connected with a former colleague who thought very highly of her. Before she left the U.S. Attorney's Office, she was on a part-time schedule, and she didn't want to change that because she still had younger children. But as we all know, it's not so easy to become a partner at a firm on a part-time basis, but because her former colleague had great respect for her, she was able to negotiate a part-time schedule on the way in the door. She had negotiating leverage because of the relationship she had built at the U.S. Attorney's Office and was hired as a part-time partner. And you can hear her story in the latest episode of my podcast. And I might add that the way I know her is, again, through my son, who has actually, all three of my children actually have been the gift they keep giving. Not that you should have children just to build business relationships, but if you end up someday having children, uh, if you get to know their parents, the parents of your children's friends, that can be a great source of connection because you're sitting by the soccer field and you're talking about soccer and you get to know them in a very organic way. So I start with these stories because they illustrate an important principle. In law school, you are rewarded for effort. If you do the work, perform well on the test, you get an A. In the real world, working hard and doing a good job are of course important, but that is insufficient. The associate who sits in the back office turning out great briefs doesn't necessarily advance to partnership. The partner who becomes a great technician doesn't necessarily generate new business for the firm. And the star counsel who sticks close to the office doesn't necessarily get the great in-house job. Relationships matter once you leave law school. And the sooner you start building and expanding your relationships, the easier it will be to advance your career and build a practice as you get more senior. Let's see, did we get a result from the poll yet, Dan? Because I see that sticking on my screen. I see the poll, but I don't see any results. I've just ended the poll, so you should now be able to see it. Uh, let me know if you don't, and I can report it verbally. Okay, great. So um, I see it. Does everybody else see it, or, or only I see it? I believe you, the panelist, should uh, be able to see it. Um, if it's more convenient, I can definitely report it verbally. No, I'll, I'll just report it. So, so basically, it looks like half of our audience are, are younger lawyers. We have one law student, one non-lawyer. We have a bunch of lawyers who are six to ten years, and actually even a few that are more seasoned. So um, I think that that does it for our, our distribution. And. Um, if you can, do I have to close it myself or do you, you know, you'll close it, right? Because it's covering my screen. Okay, great. All right. 
So what relationships are we building? So we're going to talk shortly about how to build relationships, but let's start with a list of the people who are maybe in a position to help you at some point in the future. Most of these are pretty obvious, but I'll, I'll mention them anyway. So the obvious suspects, if you're practicing in private practice or if you're in a corporation, are the partners and associates you work with or the in-house counsel you work with. These are the people who will become most familiar with your work. They may end up in-house at some point or at another firm. If they end up in-house, they may be your entree to an in-house job down the road. And lawyers who go in-house also need to hire outside counsel and often look back to their former colleagues when they need law firm support. So these people could eventually be your clients in the future. Okay, maybe this is slightly less obvious, but paralegals, administrators, and support staff, many of these individuals will also end up working for other employers and they could become good sources of introductions or, or intel. So I just spoke yesterday to the director of talent acquisition for a mid-sized firm. She made a lateral move a few years ago from another major firm and within two years of arriving at the firm, a couple of partners approached her from her old firm and they wanted to explore a lateral move because they were unhappy with the firm management. And this director played a key role in helping them vet the new firm. The other thing is, by the way, particularly about support staff who you might think, you know, what is a, a secretary going to do for me? First of all, I really believe that everybody should be treated with respect and you should get to know everyone, even on a personal level, to the extent that it's appropriate. But you never know who people are connected to or married to. And I've found out a, lo a lot of times that people that I couldn't necessarily place as lawyers might be married to or, or, or very closely connected to someone who is someone who I can work with and who I would want to connect with. This one is maybe a slightly less obvious, but maybe obvious too. So getting to know your clients. Now, if you're an associate, you may not have the relationship or you don't have the relationship with the client, but you may very well have a relationship with the subordinates of the client. And as those people advance in their careers and get more senior, they are going to possibly be in positions where they can hire you or they may also go to other companies. So these could become your clients in the future. Law school and, and college classmates and professors, again, similarly, you never know where they're gonna end up. And then now we're getting into a much bigger group here, people you meet through bar associations, other associations, nonprofits, communities and hobbies. It's, it's really a long list. And when you're early in your career, it's hard to know where to focus. But as a junior associate, it doesn't really matter. The goal is really to just build your business relationships when there's not a lot of pressure. Take the time to get to know people you come in contact with. Get in the habit of connecting. Learn about the people you meet on a personal level. You never know when someone you're connected to, as I already said, knows somebody that you do want to meet. And as you get more senior, it will become more obvious where you want to focus your energies. Uh, for now, just make sure that you make time for this. And for the more senior people in the room, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, your relationship building might be a little bit more strategic. So if you are interested in the life sciences industry, maybe spending more time with those types of associations or getting to know people that are working in those industries. You know, my joke about that is, you know, if you want to meet somebody Jewish, don't hang out at Catholic singles dances. So, but when, you're, but when you're more junior, it's really just getting the skill of 
building relationships and there's not a lot of pressure. So I, it looks like I'm covering my camera. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so what are the barriers? So I'd, I'd like to get quickly get your input on this. Um, if everybody could please take a, a moment to send a message to the chat and identify what you think are some of your obstacles. And I'm going to go through my list, but after I'm done, Daniel Tillman will offer his. So if people could take a minute to write in the chat window what you think are some of the barriers that you face in building business relationships. So let's see. I don't know. Do I get? I don't know if I, I don't think I get to see the um, the chat window. I'm not sure about that. So uh, are we getting any responses, Daniel Tillman? Yes, we are. And if you look at the banner on the bottom of your screen, you should be able to see the chat. Uh, most of these messages are being sent to the full panel. All right. Not seeing for some reason with the sharing screen, I don't get that. But anyway, let me just go through my list, and then we will um, add whatever I've missed to the list. All right. So, so here's a common one. If you're a junior associate and you've got a ton of work, it's easy to say, "Well, I'm really too busy. I don't really have time for that. I'm just going to do my work." And the truth is, is that as a junior associate, it is really important that you do good work because you're going to be judged and the first impression that you make on everyone is super important. You don't know who to approach. So you're a little bit concerned about where should I be spending my time? Maybe you don't feel comfortable in social situations. You don't know what questions to ask. And this is a big one for me. You don't want to come across as a salesperson. And then finally on my list, you don't feel comfortable going to networking functions. So before I have Daniel Tillman read off anything I might have missed, let me just say that in my opinion, big networking functions are not a great place for most of us to build new relationships. I'll be saying more about that shortly. And clearly in this time, big networking events probably means you're not going to see anybody because people's screens will not be, their video will not be on. But even if they are, it's not so easy to connect. Here's some good news though. If you're an introvert, introverts are better listeners and that is the key to building relationships. So I think actually in a lot of ways, lawyers who are introverts, which does describe a lot of lawyers, can be very successful at this. Okay, Daniel, can you um, read out any, any that I, I might have missed? Yeah, so a lot of these do fold into the broader topics uh, that you had. So I'm just going to read off the ones that um, don't necessarily line up as exactly. Um, we had uh, being too inexperienced to have anything to offer. Um, volume of existing billable work. Not wanting to bother people who are very busy. Um, a bad experience when getting a job that was a bad fit. Uh, social distancing is definitely a big one. Um, seeking out new opportunities when you've just moved to a new city. Um, and identifying which groups or events to participate in, uh, both in general and when your time is limited. 
Okay, great. Well, we will be covering most of those, uh, probably all of them. So let me say that networking is not something that comes naturally to me. I've had to learn how to do this and I've not only embraced it, but I now really enjoy it. But like many of you, I've had to come overcome some obstacles. So my joke is that my autobiography is going to be called Birth of a Salesman because I'm not a glad hander. So my father was a math professor and my mother was a school psychologist. I'm just going to tell you a couple of things about me so I can sort of explain the context. In my household, the greatest value was placed on hard work and academic achievement. And my father didn't think much of business people. He called them operators. After law school, I began to realize that hard work only gets you so far. If you want to advance in your career and build a practice, you need to build relationships with people who can help you. So I work for myself now, but I've had three permanent jobs since law school. And in each instance, I got the interview because someone who knew, liked, and trusted me helped me get in the door. They didn't get me the job, but they got me the, helped me get the interview for sure. As a recruiter and marketing coach, I've generated a lot of business and numerous referrals through relationships I've cultivated over long periods of time. And so what I've come to realize is that I actually enjoy building relationships. As I just said before, I'm not a glad hander who enjoys large networking events where I don't know a lot of people, but I do truly enjoy getting to know other people. For example, I'm not really a sports fan, but I really enjoy learning about sports by talking to other people who do. So I did a blog post on this and I called it, if you aren't a sports fan, be a sports fan fan. And the idea there is if you're somebody who's just sort of interested in other people, which I am, ask people a question like, you know, ask them something about their favorite team or a game that just happened and then just shut up and let them do the talking. So that's a good skill for an introvert, thinking of questions that you could ask and really tapping into what other people seem interested in. And I actually get a lot of energy from doing that, from learning about new things by letting other people tell me about what their interests are. You can be successful just by being interested in other people. It's, it's really not about being pushy or trying to sell anything. And in fact, most importantly, which I haven't really said yet, but it's really the most important thing, relationship building shouldn't be about what you, shouldn't be about you and what you want or need. Healthy relationships are two-way streets. And that's true in your personal life and it's true in business. So if people feel one of the, the barriers that somebody mentioned is, I don't know what I have to offer, you actually have a, a lot to offer. And I will talk about some of those things in a few minutes. So here's my list of practical tips. And these are practical tips for normal times. I think that a lot of them are still relevant. Uh, you have to tweak some of them. And then after that, we'll get into what you can do now that we are more socially distant. So here's a key point. You're not hunting, you're farming. You wanna get to know people that you meet over time. Relationship works be best if you don't need anything. Just do it as a habit. Find out what the paralegal in your office did over the weekend. Find out where the secretary is going on vacation. You have to ask questions that are appropriate, but just be a person who's genuinely interested in other people and doesn't just have their head in the, in the, in the law books or in a document that you're drafting. You really can't predict how relationships will help you in the future. And all the examples that I gave in the beginning are 
relationships were based on relationships that, that built over many years. You want to find ways to be helpful and you want to come back to the same people over a period of time. There is a woman who's, I think she's graduating from law school now, but she's come back to me several times for just mentoring questions and whatnot. And she's been very good at checking in with me and she's been very good at sending thank you notes and showing true appreciation. And that has really made a, a mark on, on me. I really, that person's name will always be with me because she's somebody who has kept up and tried to build the relationship over time. Okay, so similarly, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So what I mean by that is, even if you're super busy, if you just spend a few minutes each day or every week, you're much better off. You don't wanna save any of this for a rainy day. If you just are so busy and so overwhelmed, you could find five minutes to make a phone call or drop a note to somebody that, that you know and just wanna check in with. You really wanna make this a habit you don't want to just wait until you've got a lull in your in your workflow because then you're going to your your energy isn't going to be as good and you're not going to be as good a listener so people like to talk about themselves and the only way to find out how to be of help is to listen so i'm going to put this guy on the screen and regardless of what you thought of his politics bill clinton was a great listener he was described as an aerobic listener in the book Primary Colors. He really had, or I guess he has, the capacity to make everyone in the room feel truly heard. As a rule, when you're trying to build relationships, listen. Spend 80% of the time listening, 20% of the time speaking. Okay, at the same time, you don't wanna just come to networking functions or you don't wanna start conversations with people without having thought about what you bring to the table. It's very important to be a great listener, but if somebody asks you what's new and you answer, mm, not much, or you say something like, yeah, it's really tough with COVID around, you're not really extending the conversation. Be prepared to talk about something interesting in your personal life or your professional life. And again, it could be either. You know, If you're excited about a book you just read, a movie you just saw, some plans that you have coming up once things settle down and travel is okay, talk about those things or talk about an interesting case that you just had and don't go on and on, but come to the table with something interesting to talk about. This takes some preparation, especially if you're an introvert. Be authentic. So choose the, choose the activities you like as a way to meet more people and, and surround yourself with people who you connect with. One of my mantras when I do workshops on business development is, you know, if you don't like golf, don't play golf. Of course, nobody can really play golf right now, at least not in Massachusetts. But at some point people will be. And if you like golf, that's a pretty good way to get to know people because you're spending a lot of time with them and you're just outdoors and theoretically everybody's having a good time. If you don't like golf, you're going to be having a miserable time and you're going to have a harder time connecting with people. Plus you'll make excuses to not do it. So find some other way to spend your time. Look for volunteer or social activities that can give you the chance to connect with other people who care about the same things or enjoy the same activities. Obviously our choices are much more limited right now, but that will change. And by the way, there are lots of organizations that need people to do volunteer help. It isn't all in-person stuff. It could be 
online, but if it gives you the chance to connect with other people in that organization, that is relationship building. Okay, so somebody said, how can I be helpful? I don't really have that much to offer. So there are a lot of ways to be helpful to other people. And that's really the essence of good relationship building. Again, it's not about you, it's about the other person. It's a two-way street. So here are some examples, but there are lots more examples in articles that I've written that are on my website. And I'm also, after this webinar is over, the BBA will be distributing a handout that will have links to some of those. So very simple, sending notes of congratulations or thank you notes. Again, that student that sent me this very beautiful thank you note uh, after we met the last time, that really made a big impression on me. And that's being helpful, you know, just, just helping people by showing them that you care and that, you're, that, you, that you appreciate them. That's a really good way to be helpful. You could recommend a good movie. You can refer them to another professional who can help them with a business or personal issue. A great thing to do if you have the opportunity is refer a client to them. So a, a traditional relationship lawyers might have with accountants. If a lawyer meets somebody and their client seems to need some accounting expertise or a trust and estates lawyer meets someone who clearly needs some financial planning expertise, referring to one of those other professionals, that's a great way to build a relationship. This is one that you could do as somebody who's younger. So you guys are much closer, at least the younger people in the audience, to being in school or college. People my age have kids that are on their way to college or I have kids out of college, but sometimes I've found that people have children that are applying to a school that you have an affiliation with and your willingness to speak to them, that's a way to be helpful. Flatter them. So I've attended presentations. I went to a presentation at the BBA a few months ago and there was a managing partner there and I, I really liked the, the presentation and I went up to him afterwards and told him I thought it was a great presentation, which I did, it was, it was genuine. And now we've kind of started talking a little bit about the needs that his firm may have that I might be able to help with. You know, we're not rushing into it in any way. There's not a lot of hiring going on right now or not as much, but by flattering him and telling him that I really enjoyed the presentation, that was a way to be helpful to him. You could answer a simple legal question. I'm sure a lot of you get that. You have to be careful about your ethical responsibilities not to form attorney-client relationship. But if people have generic questions, being able to answer something or at least give people what the framework is for understanding something, that's a way to be helpful. And then I really like this one, sending notes of condolence. This is something I've really grown into. And again, as you get older, you are you, know, you come in contact with more people who have had the misfortune of having deaths in their family. In the fall, I paid a condolence call to a professional friend of mine whose mother had passed away. And I spoke to him a few months ago when I had a death in my family. And he told me how much he really appreciated the fact that I had showed up. So. If you have any hesitation, I would say most people truly appreciate offers of condolence. And you may say, well, it's not, how is that being helpful? It is being helpful and it is a way to connect. And again, after the webinar, I said there'll be some resources that you could check and you could find some more. Uh, there's lots and lots of ways. I think one of my articles is like 47 inexpensive ways to build relationships and <laughs> be helpful. 
this is a good time to write articles, blog posts, start a podcast. These are marketing activities. They establish your expertise. They establish that you know something about a subject, but they can also be used as relationship building activities. And here's how. For starters, if you are writing an article, you can send it around for comment before you publish it. You can also get input from clients or colleagues before you even write it. So by doing that, you're building the relationship with those people. Then once the articles are written or the blog posts have been posted, really make sure to circulate them to people in your network who might be interested. Again, that's another way to reinforce the connection, but you have to know what people are interested in. In thinking about what to write, think about the common questions that your clients are asking. That's always a good source of topic for something. Obviously, people are asking a lot of COVID-related questions, but I'm going to make a, a comment about that a little bit down the road about how you have to be careful about that too. When I decide to do a podcast, I choose topics that I think will be of interest to my audience. But one of the reasons that I love doing podcasts is that I choose people who I really want to get to know. So by merely interviewing them, that helps me strengthen my relationship with that individual. I don't know if any of you use Google Alerts. I actually haven't been using them that much, but if you use them, it's a way to sort of see what's coming up on the web where your clients' names are being mentioned, institutions, subject matter. It's a way of kind of getting an inflow of content that you can use to share with people. Meeting people for a coffee or getting involved in a committee is really a better use of your time than going to large events. I've said that before. And this is even more true when live meetings are not possible. It's really, it's kind of hard to connect with people at large events, but, and here's the but, if you happen to know a lot of people, large events can be a way to reinforce relationships. For example, maybe some of you might like the people that you went to law school with or even college. So a reunion can be a place that you can reconnect with people that you already know. I like to attend a couple of gal events each year one of them is Combined Jewish Philanthropies, Lawyers and Accountants Dinner. I don't expect to meet new people there really, but I run into a lot of lawyers I know. And same thing with City Year does a lawyer's breakfast. I go to those events not because I'm expecting to cultivate new relationships, but because I know that I will probably run into people I already know. It's a way to say hi and then you get their business card or you just know them already and you arrange to or get permission to contact them after the event. Oops, I didn't get to that yet. One more comment about that. So with the Bar Association, if you're involved in any committees and there are informal lunches, those could be, even though they're online now, try to find those events where people are gonna get a chance to, you know, smaller gatherings where you're talking about a particular topic or working on a Bar Association project. Be on the lookout for things that are of interest to you and places where you can actually get to know people. Personally, I get the most out of having coffee with one or two individuals. And so I've taken to using Zoom for, for that activity with one or two other people. So it's important to be persistent, but not overly persistent. Connecting with other professionals can be hard. It's actually better to have a smaller number of strong relationships than just, you know, go to an event and collect 60 business cards. That's not really relationship building. 
But if you're going to follow up with people, it's pretty likely that you're going to find that busy people don't necessarily respond. So for example, if you want to get to know a client better and you want to just have a more informal conversation with them about their business concerns and what they do and just get to know them a little bit better, you may have to try a few times. So don't, don't take that personally. Um, try them by email, follow up with a voicemail. You know, you should give things at least three tries. And even if people don't respond after three tries, then put something down in your calendar. You could try again in a few months. That's okay. I've had very good success with this. I'm more in a little bit of a sales role being mostly as a recruiter. I've had instances where I had, there was one partner. I remember I called him in August. We had a very nice conversation. It sounded interested in talking a little bit, had some concerns about his firm. Tried him again in September tried him again in October, no response, no response. And then November, I finally reached him by phone and his response was, thank you. So he actually appreciated me being persistent. So until people say, you know, stop bothering me, which most people won't, keep trying. Okay, so now we can, oh, uh, and then finally, uh, keep keep notes in Outlook or, or or uh, some kind of a good CRM because I personally, I don't have a very good memory. And even if you do have a good memory, if you write down details about what people like, their families, sports, movies, interests, whatever, if you are thinking about who you could send an article to, you could do a quick search of your, of your contact management system and find people more quickly that way. Okay, so now we're moving on to some of the tips for how do we deal with this very, very challenging situation that we're in. So the good news is that we do have options. And let me start by saying that I think it's important in this time to focus a lot on the people that you already know and kind of work out from there. I mean, you could ask people that you know for introductions to other people that you want to meet, but this is a good time to really focus on the people that you already know. And I've been doing a lot of that, just trying to check in with people, see how they're doing. And the approach is this, be compassionate. And I have a great quote from a woman who does consulting on marketing to lawyers, law firms, and I'll just read it to you because I thought it was really well written. So the most important thing you could do right now in these circumstances, and I'm sorry, in these uncertain times, is to be more human and patient, lead with empathy, Understand that everyone is on edge right now. Let other, others know that you are really in this together and you also share their anxieties. I thought that was really good food for thought. And I try to do that. I'm sure a lot of you do that as well. So that kind of flows right into try to get to know colleagues on a personal level and your clients. Obviously do it in an appropriate way, but this is really important in developing long-term loyal relationships. And in some ways it's actually easier to do right now. I mean, people have a lot on their plates and in my experience, they are more open to sharing about what they're going through. So again, check in with clients and colleagues and, and always ask them how they're doing. And I find that I'm spending a lot more time speaking with people about homeschooling kids, elderly parents, canceled vacation plans, the uncertainty about COVID. I spoke to someone yesterday who, when she got on 
Zoom, she was, there was just a picture of her. She hadn't turned on her camera yet. She was holding a toddler. And when she flipped on the video, I found out that she's actually a grandmother. So you know, it was just a chance to learn something new about that person that I didn't know before. Before she was just a law firm administrator and now she's more of a person. Not gonna say a lot about this, um, but you know, I don't have perfect optics here. I'm dealing with what I got, but you know, be careful of have, having crazy backgrounds or you know, a super mess. There's lots of articles written on this. Uh, you know, you can reinforce some of your interests with whatever you have going on in the background, but dress appropriately. I mean, you don't want to show up looking pretty disheveled, which many of us are feeling these days because we're not having as much opportunity or need to get ready to go to work. But be aware, be aware of those optics. You know, like I've got in the background there, you know, people could speculate why I have a picture of a lamb, why I've got penguins hanging from the ceiling, or why I have a big Lebowski calendar in the background. <clears throat> I'll just say that I really like the big Lebowski. Okay, so that's Zoom or other virtual medium. But while Zoom has opened up a lot of conversations, at least for me, I'm sure for many of you, that wouldn't have happened by phone, and you get to connect with people in a way that is, it's different than connecting on the phone. Some people are sick of Zoom. Some people are sick of virtual conversations. So make the phone available. So I already talked about how this is a good time to be creating content and sharing it, but you wanna be sharing things to people that are relevant, things that are really gonna be of use to them or things that might really be of interest to them. People are getting bombarded with a lot of COVID updates. So shorter content is actually better. I, I've heard GCs complaining that law firms are bombarding them right now with long treatises about COVID. Be a curator and make it easy for people to digest. You're much better off sending legal analysis in several blog posts or updates or just, just keep it short so you can get to the point quickly. You're not helping people if you send them a 20 page article for the most part. Social media is, of course, part of your, your toolkit. It is a way to stay visible, but not really a substitute for direct communication. Post your own content if you have it. Share other people's content. That is a way of being helpful to them. And make sure you have a good profile. I'm not gonna talk much about LinkedIn right now, which is really the main social media tool for business, but I'm happy to talk to anybody about that offline. And then finally, be proactive. So. This is probably where we're all having the hardest time. I said focus on, on strengthening existing relationships, but it is still possible to create new relationships, but you have to know who you want to meet and you have to be appropriate. So um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I joined a virtual bar association event and I was very impressed with one of the speakers. It was a relatively small event and we could all chat with each other and I'm friendly with the chair of that committee that sponsored it. So I reached out there through the chat and I said, you know, I'm really impressed with your presentation and I'd love to talk to you. Can we connect? And so she responded and we have a meeting set up in another week or so. So look for small virtual events. That's uh, a way to actually connect in this time with new people and be proactive about it. Don't just be passive and just sit as a, as an empty suit, as somebody once told me, which is what you shouldn't be doing. 
in, 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 in real person, but also work a little bit harder to try to connect, even if you can, with people online. And then use people that you know in your network to get introductions to the people that you want to meet. All right. So I think we're doing okay on time, right, Dan? Yep, that's correct. Okay. I mean, we're getting to the end here, and I'd like to open up the floor for questions. And if you have questions, please put them in the, the Q&A, and Dan will read them. But, you know, if you don't feel comfortable asking the question, again, I, I really encourage you to, to contact me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to make this, I'm trying to do what I'm practicing. I'm trying to practice what I preach, which is really what we're trying to do here is have conversations. And I'm just sitting here staring at the top of my computer and I don't really feel like I'm connecting with anybody, but it would really be great to connect with some of you. So we can't meet in person, but I'm happy to talk to people by phone. I'm happy to do Zoom and I'm happy to talk about your own specific issues and concerns when it comes to relationship building. I think it's it's something that could be really fun. I've really grown to really enjoy it. It actually energizes me. It's a great distraction from whatever you're doing, day-to-day -day practice of law, and it will yield great dividends, but make sure to be focused on the other people and make it a two-way street. So I really want to thank the Boston Bar Association once again. Associations like the BBA are playing a crucial role in keeping people connected. It's really, really hard, but just just try and, and do what you can. Sometimes it can be very tiring to spend time on these Zoom calls. I know I get exhausted after a while. But mix it up and, and build some of it into your day and you will be successful. All right, so we have two questions in the chat in, so far and uh, I will add in any others that we receive. Uh, the first one we have, what is the best way to reach out to a long lost contact? Well, if it's somebody who you had a relationship with before, to be honest with you, that happens to me all the time. I reach out to people who I haven't spoken to in a very long time and you just send them an email and say, gee, I haven't spoken to you in a very long time. I mean, I just got a nice note from, I graduated from law school a very long time ago. And one of my friends in law school and I haven't spoken in like 10 years, but you know, we just had something, we, we just had, uh, again, a death in the family and he reached out with a very nice condolence note and that opened up the door to have a conversation. So I guess my short answer is don't be afraid to connect with somebody and set up a time to talk. Thank you. Uh, we have another question. What is the best way to follow up with someone that you had a good first connection with? Well, for starters, you definitely want to send a thank you note. If you connected with somebody and you had a nice conversation with them, you want to have an email follow up with them. But if you were listening carefully and you found out something that they were interested in, find something to send to them and don't do it right away, kind of space it out. And then you could also put in your calendar a couple of months down the road that you're going to follow up with them again. But it's easier if you have something to follow up with or about that came up in the conversation. 
or something that, again, that you've produced, written, that you think that they might be interested in. Another very simple way is send them a LinkedIn connection that obviously doesn't do much. It's just one quick moment in time. But if you're somebody who posts things on LinkedIn periodically, they might see them and that might remind them that you exist. Thank you. Uh, we have another question. Do you have any advice on reaching out to people you never met previously? First, if they have a connection, such as uh, being an alum of the same college, et cetera. And second, if you don't have a connection. Okay, well, first of all, if you are an alum of the same institution, that one's pretty easy. I think a lot of us are, uh, I wanna be careful with the words I use here. Um, well, I'll just say it, I don't, I don't mean it in any derogatory way, but you know, we're, or political way, but we're, you know, a lot of us are very tribal. So if you're part of a team, you know, Team Northeastern or Team Harvard, people are very amenable to hearing from people that are from the same institution. I would say you can make those cold contacts. You won't necessarily get a response all the time, but if you approach somebody from your institution, that is a pretty soft touch. Now, when you approach them, try to be a little bit more specific and show that you've done a little bit of your homework. So reference something about them or indicate why it is that you want to connect. I see that you, you know, I don't know if this is somebody in a job search that's asking the question, but mention the fact that you see that they, they've done a lot of work in ERISA and you'd love to talk to them a little bit about what that field is like and get, get some of their advice. Now, if it's somebody that you don't know or don't have any affiliation or connection with, then you should, you're best off, which is why LinkedIn is very useful, getting an introduction from somebody who does know them, which is why I said work the network that you have to get introductions to the people that you'd like to meet. So this I do all the time. I don't know somebody at a company. I see that a company is hiring in a particular area. And in a sense, as a recruiter, I'm in a perpetual job hunt. So sometimes I might ask somebody for an introduction to the director of talent acquisition or the, you know, Anyway, so to, to get an introduction is, is a good way to, to bridge that gap. Thank you. Uh, and we have one more question right now. Um, when to explicitly ask for referrals or just note that you do specific types of matters that may be of interest? So I, you know, I belong to this great business networking group called Provisors, and I've only been involved since June, but but it's really been fantastic. And what's really fantastic about it, it's, it's lawyers, accountants, financial planners, all kinds of professionals. All, it's for people that are 10 or more years of experience in whatever they do. And what's really great about the organization is that the emphasis is always on how can I be helpful to the other person? Now you do, when you're introducing yourself in a group, you might say, I wanna thank so-and-so, he or she was very nice in referring me to such and such. But when you do that, before you do that, you say what that other person does and you introduce them and the focus is really all on them. So I don't, I think it's, you know, when you're a junior lawyer, it's way too early to be asking for referrals. It's kind of implicit. You wanna let people know what you do and you wanna do it in a succinct way so that 
people can remember what you do. Like I know a lawyer who does trust in estates and she introduces herself in our business networking group as uh, if there's a will, I'm the way, which is, you know, it's kind of, kind of cutesy, but it's very memorable. Or I know somebody that, that does um, non-compete litigation and land use. And she introduces herself as somebody who does beaches and breaches, but she's not asking for referrals in this group. She's just trying to look for ways to be helpful. Referrals come when you're helpful to people. That's how you build things up organically. I mean, they might ask you, how can I be helpful to you? And if somebody asks you that question, then sure, you could say, well, I would really welcome the opportunity to meet individuals, executives that have employment issues or whatever your practice area is, or I do residential real estate and I'm looking for introductions to brokers because those are, those are good referral sources for me. So don't, don't sell, just try to be helpful. That's really one of the big points that I'm trying to make here. So it doesn't look like we have any more questions. Actually, I'm sorry, I missed one. Um, uh, somebody asked, what is the best way to get value out of networking groups? Be helpful, listen, and join a networking group that connects you with the community or communities that you want to be connected with. So for example, and this is not meant to disparage any networking, well, I won't mention by name. There's a networking group that's really more like Chamber of Commerce-y, uh, it connects people that are realtors and mom and pop shops. And if those aren't the kinds of people that you want to serve, then maybe that's not the best networking group. Whereas the networking group that I belong to, Provisors, there's a lot more B2B type business being done. So that's why I belong to that networking group. It doesn't look like we have any more questions right now. So uh, I think if we can wrap this up, uh, if there are any more questions, please feel free to reach out to Steve. His email is on screen. Um, Steve, do you have any last words? Uh, I just want to again thank Daniel Fishman for inviting me and thank the Boston Bar Association for hosting this. It really is a great organization. There are a lot of ways to build relationships in the Boston Bar Association. Get active, get involved. Yes, we can't come together right now, but we will be able to come together soon enough. And in the meantime, get involved in the virtual events so that at least you're staying connected. We will be sending out copies of the slides. I'll be sending out, or the BBA will be sending out some other resources and again, I just can't underscore how much, like I would much prefer to talk to any of you in person than I am sitting here giving a presentation. So really don't hesitate. You'll be, you'll be helping me by giving me the chance to connect. So I would appreciate that if any of you follow up.